welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. We're in a, we're in a series uh, called King and Kingdom. I don't know how many people are kind of aware of how things have unfolded in um, in in the time frame not only of what has happened in our world over X number of years, however old you are, and also 18 months of accelerated ignorance. Um, but in times to come, how the Lord interwoven something specifically for us, the beloved family, to be tracking true with what He has done. We're the church of the finished work of the cross. What he's doing, he is the great I am. Not I was or I will be, as most people pray. Most prophetic words are about the great will be, not the great I am. But also understanding the reality of one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to show us things to come. Which was kind of laughable to me because in 2019, those of you that are that are hip to all the cool kids in Christianity, all the prophets, all the cool TV preachers, all the big guys and gals, they were all saying, you know, 20, 2020's coming. We're going to have 2020 vision. The Lord's going to show us all this cool stuff. 2020 vision in 2020. And for those of you that were asleep last year, there wasn't a whole lot of clarity. This is why I, I can't say I despise or detest, but I'm searching for a word that has nearly that same amount of impact. I, I do not like those words. I do not like them, Sam, I am. It, it is the Holy Spirit. I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't make a rhyme. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't rap if he wants to. But he he's not into to sounding cool, being cool. He's way more into leading his people as a shepherd into victorious pastures of green and besides still waters. All that other stuff, I, you know, I mean, if he wants to do it flamboyantly, like, he's God, I'm totally cool with that. But I, I'm just here to tell you, whatever prophet you followed in 2019, they probably missed it. <laughs> that, 
Now, missing a prophecy doesn't make you a false prophet. In the Old Testament, missing a prophecy made you a false prophet, and they stoned you to death. That'll make everybody want to prophesy. In the New Testament, because the Holy Spirit is in all of us, we can all prophesy any time. And when you miss a prophecy in the New Testament, you just miss it. Anybody ever missed it? I've missed it. And the Lord has grace, and you try to get better. And man, did we miss it. But I, as, I, as I look back, I see how the Lord was intertwining us on this path of giving us messages through the last series and then through this series that, that kind of started <laughs> when all the stupid started to prepare us to be ready for what the Father has to do. That's all to say... This morning, when I called Donna out, great word, sis. Uh, when I called Donna out, I knew Donna had a word by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I also knew Craig had a word. I even knew what Craig's word was. But because I knew that it was challenging, and I didn't know how Craig, if he was okay with that whatever language you got for that that's why I made the universal call there's another word Cinderella had an amazing word that was interwoven interwoven with a testimony in her life that I see now kind of soften some folks so that when Craig who obviously pushed through whatever it was because I said there's one more word and so he kind of got up knowing that I said there's one more word and became the one more on the one more and gave his challenging word if you weren't paying attention to his word it is exactly where we're going to go in this message today add that to the book of Jude and the word that Deborah got from the Holy Spirit that makes me want to preach for like three hours just on what she said and read and I'm resisting with all my might I know that I speculate that half this room is here because it's church and you're you know you're doing you're checking the box and you're doing your church thing and then of the other half there's 25% of you that are that are smiling at me with your best religious face pushing through the can you please shut up so we can go have lunch and then 25% of you that are like hey we are (laughs) whatever that adjective is And I'm okay with that. The Lord said that there's four grounds that the Word of God was going to fall on. And three of the four grounds were going to produce nada. Zero. Zilch. And and three quarters of the body of Christ produce nothing. I'm okay with that. If Jesus is okay with it, I'd have to be okay with it. 
you know, I can sit at home in my office and cry over all the 75% of beloved church that ain't producing nothing. Or I can just read the Bible and say, oh, okay, well, if it happened in Jesus' ministry, uh, why am I going to get upset because it happens in my ministry? <laughs> like, I think I'm better than Jesus? Yep. And then of the 25% that actually produce something, only some of them produce 30 some of them produced 60 and some of them produced 100. If you do the math, only 8% of the body of Christ produces 100%. If Jesus is okay with it, I'm okay with it. Um, I tend to want to preach to the 8%. And I know that that's like, in a way, kind of not preaching to 92%, but it's not. I'm preaching to the 8% to try to on purpose create a vacuum that sucks the other 92% into the 8%. Amen. <laughs> and if the vacuum sucks you another way, you've been sucked. <laughs> Is that okay? think we're hitting a moment right here and and I want you if you're one of the 92% uh, there's no condemnation for anybody like praise God you're born again we're all going to the same place <laughs> the Lord's got great rewards for anybody that makes him Lord but for at least 1,600 years, Christianity has all been about one day you're going to die and go to heaven. And we've destroyed the planet. Because the devil says, well, till that day, I'll just go ahead and rule and reign and torture and do bad stuff. And the body of Christ said, well, that's fine. You do all the bad stuff you want to do because one day we're going to go be with God. And then some crazy folks came along, and those are the people that inspired me. And I said, hey, how about we be with God here, as well as in the future. And while we're with God here, He brings His desires here, and then we don't have to let anybody be tortured, molested by the enemy, and have themselves destroyed. We can just rule and reign here, And then when we're done, like Paul said, you know, I ran my race, I finished my course, and henceforth was laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I want to go ahead and win here and win there. And maybe that doesn't fit with your eschatology or theology. That's fine. Stay in the 92%. But I'm not okay with what's going on in our world. Maybe you are, maybe you're okay, because a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of Christians, and their eschatology is, well, you know, eventually, you know, Satan's going to take over, and the Antichrist is going to come, he's going to stamp us all with his mark, and, you know, and torture us, and sting us with big bugs, and make us hurt for five days, or seven days, or however long you interpret it, and then we're going to hide in caves, and eat spam, and drink bottled water, and shine our AR-15s, and wait for the end. 
And then God's going to rapture us all and we're going to float out of here and wave at all the suckers. Terrible theology. Terrible. And nowhere near congruent to the Lord's heart. So, it's our theology and our eschatology that made this mess. I want to blame Satan, because he should be blamed for everything. But we can't. Because he can only do what we, the church, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 16, uh, 16, 18, that the church, the ecclesia, will take the fight all the way to the gates of hell. Which means that where the gates of hell are positioned is determined by the church, not Satan. So if you're like, man, the world is terrible right now. That's on you. That's on you. And me. (laughs) Not being pokey. It's on us. How's that? We. We, the church, allowed the gates of hell to get to this place. God didn't say, well, you know, I hope it gets really terrible for you all and that'll teach you a lesson. God is not that way. (laughs) So many people think that the whole summation of who God is is Job. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Job got rebuked for saying that. He got rebuked for saying that. Because he applied it incorrectly. He said the right thing with the wrong attitude. The Lord does give and the Lord does take away. He gives you grace and He takes away sin. So if you understand what the Holy Spirit was trying to say instead of what Job was trying to whine and complain about, then it's accurate. But he got rebuked for maligning the nature and the character of God. And we've been doing it ever since. God doesn't want any evil, any sin, any terrible. Why would Jesus pay for the sins of the whole world? Just for 2,000 years later, an entire generation of people to be under the influence, the effect, and the punishment, and the wrath of sin. God is not that way. He's not going to send His Son to a cross to be tortured and punished for the missing of the mark of the whole planet. And then let the whole planet miss the mark so He can beat Jesus up again in heaven. We need to get this right. And we have been on our own course, charting our own path, being big grown-ups with our big boy pants on, doing our own thing for at least a hundred years, because we ain't got time for all that God stuff. There's people that you probably checked your watch four times already this morning, because you've got stuff to do that is obviously way more important than the kingdom. And I'm slicing off Sunday morning. But if we look at the whole week, (laughs) that's why the enemy has 10,000 different ways to get you into social media. To get you into TV, a glowing screen, some other activity, a hobby, or 12. Anything but concentrate on the kingdom. Anything. You can stare in your spouse's eyes and make goo-goo faces at each other. He's fine with that because that's just not the kingdom. Anything but the kingdom, he's fine with. And for the most, for the majority of us, we're fine with it too. 
Amen. Amen. And then there's 8%. And the cool thing is that Jesus can do more with 11 than a seeker-sensitive church can do with 11,000. All you non-seeker-sensitive people watching out there, yep, we're that church. We're going into the Great Awakening. And that means something to some of you, and it means nothing to some of, the, some of others. And I'm okay with that. You're going to go either way. We'll kick you, drag, we'll drag, we will drag you kicking and screaming. Or you can deny the facts. But some of us have been praying, believing for, searching for, driving towards, desiring, seeking first this time. And so all my tinglers are going crazy. I've got duck bumps on my goosebumps, expecting for all of the big stuff. to happen like a spiritual lottery the Lord said to me this week actually I think it was last week he said when was the first jubilee the Jewish jubilee if you know the Bible Leviticus chapter 25 if you need a Bible Raise your hand. If you can't quote to me Leviticus 25, and you don't have a Bible, then raise your hand. All of us eight percenters were humble people. These two fellows right here have Bibles. They would love to give you one. And uh, we'll have Mitchell sign it later, and it'll become uh, worth twice as much. In Leviticus 25, none of this stuff has anything to do with what I'm going to minister. <laughs> Stupid clock. Oh. <laughs> I know. Last time I cursed a clock, it fell off the wall and broke. <laughs> You're blessed. You're just wrong. In Leviticus 25, it, uh, it, it basically, a lot of the chapter deals with telling us what the Jubilee is. And you don't have to go there and read that. When you go home today, your heart work, your homework heart work is to read Jude and Leviticus 25. The, the Jubilee, just real quick, is every slave is set free. They get their land back. Man, I hope you are catching the parallels. I don't know whether to stay focused on that or to follow this in Jesus' name. In John chapter 8, oh boy. You ready, Mary? Oh boy. In John chapter 8, Jesus 
uh, was basically having a fight with a bunch of people that didn't like it the, that he was Jesus. <laughs> happens all the time. And uh, in this fight, all of the religious folks that were debating with him, because obviously Jesus was too stupid to understand what all they understood, and I, I know these people. I can give you their names and phone numbers. <laughs> Call me a lot. And uh, all, of the, all of the really wise, self-righteous people were um, debating with Jesus over the concepts of the kingdom. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, it says that all of, the, all of these uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, and, and people and stuff, the ones that actually did the humble thing to believe on him... Because a lot of them didn't. If you don't remember, the, mo- the greatest evangelist, prophet, teacher, rabbi, uh, wh- whatever you got, the greatest anything that you ever got, at the end of the most amazing, spirit-filled, supernatural, miraculous ministry that has ever existed on the planet, at the end of that Amazing ministry. He got 120 people in an upper room. So if you think that you're going to follow the masses and find Jesus, whoo boy, I, I don't know how to help you. 120 people figured it out. Man, I hope that shakes you. Because we are so quick to follow what everybody thinks and says and does. Because if CNN says it, it has got to be God. Don't worry, I'm getting there. So Jesus said to the people that believed on him, the people that believed on him, okay, this isn't all the folks that were arguing and fussing and fighting. This isn't the goats. These were the sheep, the ones that allowed him to be shepherd, to the ones that believed on him. Believed what on him? Go read the other, in John chapter 6, he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Nobody loved that message. So we're talking about guys that actually believe some of the radical stuff. So those that were believing on him, he said, if, and I know nobody in Christianity loves that word, because then you have responsibility. And personal responsibility in our society is literally probably one of the most disgusting things you could ever talk about in front of anybody. Nobody has any personal responsibility of any kind. Because you can blame your color, you can blame your age, you can blame your weight, you you can blame your bone density, you can blame the fact that you were born in the wrong place to the wrong parents and you had family dysfunction and you somebody did something mean to you when you were 12 or 4 or 12 months or... We've got every excuse in the universe for it not to be you that built your life. Jesus doesn't agree. He says this. 
And by the way, the word if in the Bible slaps Calvinism upside the jaw. If you were Baptist when you walked in here, you are struggling. If if you continue in my word. Now listen, they believed on him. They believed on him. All the, all the crazy, wild stuff that he was saying about himself and saying that what the fuck. And they believed it. And then he said, if. I, I, will, I will nearly guarantee, as I scan the crowd, I will nearly guarantee that a hundred percent, I know the majority of you fairly well, that nearly a hundred percent of this room believes that Jesus is the Savior. Awesome. 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 God bless you. Fire insurance paid in full, going up at the end and not down. Big deal. But, that's not what Jesus preached. I double dog dare you to find the message where Jesus preached that evangelistic thing like, please, please, please receive me as a Savior so you don't go to hell. He ain't finding it. Because that wasn't his message. His message was about the kingdom. It was about us entering into the kingdom, manifesting the kingdom, and then bringing the kingdom so that other people could experience it. Because he wasn't raising a bunch of self-centered Christians who just get to go to heaven and they're going to be safe. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. The majority of the body of Christ, not disciples. Amen. Or oh me. Don't answer if you're not. Discipleship is hard. That means you, you on purpose go to someone else and you ask them to get into your P's and Q's. <laughs> That's why most of you aren't. <laughs> you don't want nobody. You, we on purpose live our lives so people stay out of our P's and Q's. This is my sandbox. And if you come in here, I will throw a toy at you. We're not letting anybody come in here. And we'll sit in our sandbox and find all the cute cat turds and eat them and we'll wonder why mom's yelling at us. Okay, he didn't... No, 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 no. He didn't clap on that one. All right, I'll leave that alone. Discipleship is someone standing outside of your sandbox and saying, hey, don't eat that. Nasty. And the average Christian, look, let me tell you something. I found it myself. I picked it right out of the sand. I dusted it off. I worked on this sucker for a long time. You just stand over there and shut up. And then that same person you just fussed at is going to be like, Get it up. <laughs> They'll stand there and help you. That's, that's what Christianity generally is. It's a bunch of people out there eating garbage, and then they come in here and we've got to help them throw it up. We give them a good meal, 
and then they leave, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. The person that's being discipled, we're just going to head, go ahead and step out of the sandbox, walk away from it, we don't have to deal with that. If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And, bonus, you will know the truth. Now, most people read this verse all by its lonesome. Like this is a standalone, no context. Jesus was just, just randomly roaming around the countryside and he stopped. If you know the truth. Like he's John Wayne of the Spirit or something. We read the Bible like that. Proverbs is written that way. It's just like, bam, bam, bam. But a lot of the other Bibles are not written that way. There's a ton of context. And if you take the text out of the context, all you got left is a con. And a lot of people are conned. Well, no, the Bible says, one little, how about this one? I get this all the time. Hey, um, you probably shouldn't do that. That's not smart for your life. That's going to destroy you. Hey, don't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. Oh, hey, look who learned a verse. <clears throat> and, and it does. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And everybody in the whole universe thinks that there's one verse in the whole chapter. And they also forget that 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6, 4, 5, 6, and 7 are literally three chapters where Paul is judging the church and telling them that they're being ignorant and telling them how to judge. Well, I, I mean, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Yeah, because you just took the selfish parts for you so you could defend your, your immaturity and your carnality and not let anybody get in there into your life and help you deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with. So we're not disciples indeed. If you're not disciples indeed, you're never going to know. The word know in the Greek is nosko. And it means deep, personal, experiential knowing. Everyone in here knows my wife, Kay, or likely. But I can assure you, I know Kay. I've discipled with her. We've discipled together. Some of us more than others. We learned, we grew together. We've experienced terrible stuff together, mostly that I did. We birthed kids. It was hard. (laughs) I was in the hospital pushing off. She was chilling. We raised them. We didn't even kill them. No matter what we were asked to do by Satan, we didn't kill them once. We went through tons of terrible life together. We started a church together and didn't get a salary for five years. And believe God for groceries. Believe God for groceries. While I was preaching prosperity... Yep. 
You know what you got to do to be able to go to sleep on that? You got to know that you're doing what you're supposed to do and not look at what you're looking at. Stand up every Sunday and preach prosperity when you don't know if you're going to have food tomorrow. We went through all this stuff, talked about all these deep things long into the night. I know K. That's what the Lord's talking about. You will know the truth. You who? Disciples that were in His Word that believed on Him. So you don't even get to this over here until you're at least believing on Him. And then you get into His Word. And then you get discipled. And then you have an intimate encounter with truth. Then what happens is freedom is birthed. The word make is creative. Make you free. Only the truth you know makes you free. And then... This is the part that the context is so important. In the next verse, all of the people that believed on him that he's talking to said, <laughs> most people, this, is, this is why you need to be really careful with the Our Daily Bread Bible verses. Then all the people that, now who is he talking to? People that believed on him? that are asked to continue in His Word, that are asked to be disciples, that are asked to have an intimate encounter with His Word, or in, with truth, that will make them creatively put them freedom. Those people said, you're wrong. We're free. Uh. I know uh, all of you are like shaking your head. Those stupid Pharisees. Let, let, me, let me see if I can put some context to it for us. So all the Americans say, uh-uh, got a flag. I know the song. Land of the free, home of the brave. We're free. This is America. America. Free. Really, you're free. You're free. How, how, how do you define that? What's your definition? Because it's probably the same as their definition. They said, we be Abraham's seed. In other words, we're free by our genealogy. We're free because who we were born to, where we were born. We're free because of our birth identity. And we're Never. It's a God word. Yep, when you see people that are not God using that word, Steve warned us about that. They were never in bondage. Okay, those of you that don't know the Bible, let me help you. These are Jews in Rome under Roman slavery. Currently. Right now, as they're talking, they are slaves to Rome. As they're speaking. 
they're literally in bondage. This is most of the people that I talk to that have the MAGA hats and the American flags on their pickups. They're free while they're in bondage. They believe they're free. These are people with soul, deep, deep soul issues. I call it luggage. (laughs) They carry luggage all that, and they think they're free. Because it doesn't look like to anybody on the outside that they're a slave. Here's the problem. God sees the heart. (laughs) Major problem. God sees your heart. He knows who's in slavery. He can tell. Just so you know, a lot of spirit-filled people can tell too. What you think is hidden is only hidden to people who can't see. Those that have the eyes of the Spirit, like we see it. We, we see it. We see the deep soul things that are, that are not allowing prosperity to take place in your lives. And we just pray for you because we know that you're not going to want to work it out. We were never in bondage to any man. Well, let's say maybe they just forgot at that moment that they were in Rome, in Jerusalem, that was part of the Roman Empire. Uh, So before they were slaves to the Roman Empire, they were slaves to the Greek Empire. And right before the Greek Empire, they were slaves to the Persian Empire. And right before that, to the Babylonian... Anybody ever heard of Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, that guy? Yeah. They were slaves. Pretty much, if you read the Old Testament, they were always slaves. 400 years in Egypt. And then they go into the promised land. Whoop, whoop. That lasted like five seconds. Read the book of Judges. It's literally like a five-year-old when you give them freedom. They're like, woo, we got freedom, yeah, crash. So what happens when immature people are offered freedom. Jesus said, and in, 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 in the Holy Spirit said in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Yay, amen. Yes, Christ set us free, just for the reason of freedom. That's our Savior, our great liberator, founding father, patriot Jesus. And then the second half of the verse that I don't ever hear anybody quote. Don't get entangled again with bondage. The point of the verse is twofold. Yeah, Jesus set you free for freedom. But freedom has a price. This is why we're not free today. Because people aren't willing to pay the price for freedom and liberty anymore. Dennis Prager says this, and I love it. I don't think it's expressed any better. And I'm not even going to quote him perfectly, but you'll get it. He says, the natural state of a person, or the natural state of humanity, or however you want to say it, is not freedom. You would think that that is like a blasphemous statement. No, no. Like It's natural, it's normal for a human to want to be free. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. You know what's normal for the human condition? To be comforted and pleasured. That's what you want. If you don't believe me, go down to the nursery. Because all those babies that are human, 
without any kind of teaching or training of nearly any kind, they'll tell you what they want. They want to be comforted and they want to be pleasured. And that's what you want outside of being born again and following the Spirit of God. You don't want freedom and liberty. In fact, you'll pay the government all of your money to give you comfort and pleasure. And I know you're sitting there thinking, uh-uh, because I'm a Christian, I'm sitting in church right now. Really? Because I'll check your checkbook register. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but thank God I was looking this way. Because <laughs> I'll, 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 it's for real. I can look through your checkbook register and I can prove comfort and pleasure is pretty much number one on most people's lives. You're not seeking first the kingdom. I have to be careful about looking at people because they'll call me like on Wednesday. When you said that thing, you looked at me. <laughs> Just so you know, I don't even know people are in the room. Like I, I'm. <sighs> they said we were never in bondage to any man. People, while they were actively in bondage, in the physical. In the soul, in the spirit. These people were in bondage in all three areas of their life. And they thought they were never in bondage. Now the average person in here, you are likely free of body. Depending on where you work and which vax mandate is coming after you. And so you think you're free. Not knowing what is after your soul. If you're born again, your spirit's fully free. If you were born American, you're likely physically eh, free. But we sacrificed it through comfort and pleasure of the soul. That's why you've got 14 games on your cell phone. That's why you pay five different entities to bring ple- to pump pleasure into your life. Netflix or whatever your thing is. And that's also why a lot of people when you sit in an environment like this and you hear this, you got to fight your eyes to stay open because I'm not pleasing you and I'm not giving you that kind of comfort. And so your body is like, hey, 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 this is not stimulating enough. I'm out. And then you're going to fight going to sleep. (laughs) Some of you regretted waking up today. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 11 and 12. Yep, see how I did that? <laughs> Verily, which means truly. This is King James, the one that God wrote. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women. I love the way the Lord talks. Don't you know someone was listening? Okay, that's not me. 
No, only people in 2020 don't know whether they're born of a woman or a man. Fairly saying to you, among them that are born of women, anybody? Okay, well, the rest of you, you need some critical race theory. (laughs) Sorry, that slipped. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now, this is Jesus talking, who knows every person ever. When he says, nobody ever born of a woman, it's because he knows them all. He's God. He knows them all. He literally knew every person. Everyone. And he says, there's never been one greater than John the Baptist. Man, I don't know if that is riveting to you. But of all the accolades any person has ever gotten on the planet... To say you, and for all of you that think like, I don't know if I should do this. No, I already started it. (laughs) I'll do it, not because of the peer pressure. (laughs) God does have different opinions for different people. I knew it. We should back up. He loves us all exactly the same and equally. But he is... It's, there's a major difference between a person who's living to be pleasing to God versus a person that's living to be pleasing to themselves or to their spouse or to their boss or to whatever. God was well pleased with Jesus. Well pleased. He's not always well pleased with everybody. In fact, there was a couple people that they specifically got were in the New Testament, born again people that specifically got words from heaven that God wasn't pleased. I know. Dang it. It's supposed to be spiritual socialism, right? We all get the same and... Everybody gets the exact same mansion, the exact same crowns, the exact same robe, and the exact, and we're all just welcome to heaven. I'm sorry. Some people get crowns. Some people don't. I'm living to get a crown. I'm I'm living to finish my race, to finish my course, to cross the finish line, to be first place. I know it's not. It's not okay in today's society to want to be first place because everybody gets a trophy. But I'm running to be first place. Paul said, if you're going to run, run to win. What? Otherwise, why in the world are you running? Among them born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Wow. And here's the thing. John wasn't even there. For all you people that are like, I wish the Lord would say that to me. He didn't even say it to John. This isn't the kind of stuff that he does. 
If you're destitute of soul and you're in this mucked, mired, oppressed, depressed state and you're, and you're just waiting for Jesus to come swooping in like Superman to go, oh, you're, you're my most prettiest kid and I love you the most. Thank you, Lord. Now I feel better. That doesn't actually make you feel better. You know what you need? Someone to come in and say, will you stop it? Grow up. Dear Lord, Jesus died for you and you're depressed? Are you kidding me? Uh, I don't know what verse that is. <laughs> I said what you need. You know, John the Baptist, at this point, he was in, uh, he was dead. Uh, but there was another instance that the Lord did the exact same thing. John the Baptist was in prison, waiting to be beheaded. And Jesus said a bunch of cool stuff about him then, too. And he didn't hear none of it. He, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't do that thing to where... This is why, this is why folks reject uh, certain ministries, certain truths. Because you want someone that understands exactly you. I'm only going to be ministered, I'm struggling with alcoholism, so therefore I can only be ministered to by that one preacher who went through terrible things in alcoholism just like me and came out. We've built an entire subculture in Christianity this way. You got the mom group, you got the dad group, you got the divorce group, you got the alcoholic groups, you got, well, just the vodka alcohol group, you got to get those, and then you got the drug group, and then you got the sex group, and then you got... Hey, guess what? All of, guess who all of these groups can't get ministered to by? Jesus. Never an alcoholic, never a mom, never a dad, never. For, for all of you, for the gals that can only be ministered to by gals, uh, Jesus is out. He's a guy, in case you, a man. For all of you men that can only be ministered to by men, uh, the Holy Spirit's out because he's that comforting part of God. In fact, he's referenced in the Old Testament all the time in the feminine gender. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a girl, okay, so stop it. I'm just saying, that's a, there's... If you're waiting to be ministered to by that person that went through exactly what you went through, you're going to continue disqualifying everybody in your life until there's no one left to minister to you because no one's ever gone through exactly what you've gone through. Right. Ever. And never will. I hear all the time people say to me, well, you'll never understand. Okay, well then I'm out. Why are we talking? If I'm never going to understand, then what in the world am I going to offer you? What if I understand through the Spirit and I don't have to actually feel it? Uh, it's shocking. What if I know what it's, what it's like to hit your hand with a hammer and not actually have to go and do it to say, oh, you're right. Oh my God, that is terrible. I, man, look at that. I don't think I'll be able to use this hand again. But man, now I can understand exactly where you're at. So let's go huddle in the corner and cry together over the fact that both of our hands are broken now. Do you want that? Do we really? Yeah, because some people do. We don't, we don't want that, but we want that. 
Jesus didn't say this to John the Baptist. John the Baptist had to work out his own salvation. You know, sometimes we think that we need this. Like, I wish Steve would tell everyone how awesome I am from the pulpit. And I know that's nobody in here. I'm just saying, like, we think that if the boss would just recognize me, if I would just get a raise, is your value? Is that where your value is? Whether Steve says something nice about you from the pulpit? That's all it is? That's the sum total of where you get your value? You know what Jesus said about you? Is that not enough? What about what Jesus did for you? Is that not enough? If this doesn't settle your identity, if this doesn't create value for you, then there's nothing I'm going to say from the pulpit that's going to make it better. You could have 40 legions of angels show up in your bedroom tonight and say, You're awesome! And you're still going to have a problem on Tuesday morning. Because if this revelation doesn't do it, Luke 16, Jesus told the story about Lazarus and the rich man and Lazarus died and went to heaven and the rich man died and went to hell. And the guy that was in hell cried out to Abraham, please uh, send someone that was raised from the dead to go talk to my five brothers and so they understand that hell's terrible. They need to not come here. And Abraham said something really profound. He said, hey, if they won't listen to the prophets, if they don't understand the scriptures, they'll never listen to someone born uh, raised from the dead. And I remember when I was young and I first read that, I'm like, well, Abraham don't know me because, man, if somebody showed up that I knew that died and they said, Steve, I got something to tell you, I'd for real listen. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It's, It's just that true. You think that would be the thing that you need. It's not. Because if you don't believe the prophets that God spoke through and you don't believe the word that God spoke through, why would you believe a person? If you can't believe God, you cannot believe a person. Oh, my Lord. John the Baptist, uh, among them that are born of a woman, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The pause is because I'm letting you decide whether you actually believe that what Jesus said is true or not. Because everybody, because you're in church and I'm a preacher and you want, you got your best spiritual face on, everybody's like, yep, amen, preach it, Jesus. But I also know that I've talked to a bunch of you (laughs) quietly on the side and you don't have this opinion of yourself. That you're greater than John the Baptist. And it it also means that most of us don't believe we're in the kingdom. The kingdom is to come one day. In heaven, I'll be greater than John the Baptist. But today, I'm just poor loser me. And I stinketh at everything. 
well, we can go with your opinion. It's ignorant. Or we can go with his opinion. He says, if you're in the kingdom, you're better than John the Baptist. Now here's something that this message was going to have a whole different spin to it until the Holy Spirit all got in my beeswax. But here's something that's, uh, that most people have never considered. Does anybody know how John the Baptist died? I know I'm asking a question to a crowd, and that's usually a recipe for disaster. He was hit by a truck. <laughs> Go to children's church. John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. Because, i got to be careful I say this. I almost said it crude. Because Herod was, how, how do I not say it crude? Where's my wife? He was what? Under the influence. Oh, that's my sister. He was under the influence of man juices. Mom, mom laughed. If mom laughed, we're good. He was under the influence of man juices because he watched a girl who was his stepdaughter dance naked. This is why some of you really need to read the Bible. You think it's disinteresting? I got news for you. That soap opera that you watch for 47 hours a week ain't got nothing on the Bible. Nothing. Read Genesis. There is some funkiness in there. Herod stirred up over watching his stepdaughter dance naked for him. Says, I'll give you anything, hot stuff. I added that. And up to half my kingdom. And so she goes back to her mama, which is kind of creepy, and says, hey, mom, stepdad king person will give me anything. Because I danced naked in front of him. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for teaching me how to dance, Ma. How do you think she got... Okay, never mind. And so Mom says, well, you know what? What the one thing that I would really love? That stinking preacher. John the Baptist. That guy. You know, he had the audacity one time to actually come to us political leaders and tell us that our marriage was wrong because it wasn't biblical? People don't even consider this. John the Baptist died because he challenged the government on morality. Oh, dear Jesus. This is going way over some people's heads. John the Baptist was beheaded because he told the government leaders that what they were doing was wrong by God's word and died because of it. And we got preachers of churches a hundred times the size of this church that are standing at this exact same place of influence telling their congregation to do Romans 13. And I had a dream the other night that I was in a room filled with those guys. And it was, it was such a good dream that when I woke up, it kept going. I was like, yeah. 
there was faces and names and whoop. I won't tell you. But I was ripping it. I was blasting those guys. Like, you are leaders in the body of Christ. And your people are being destroyed by illegal and immoral vaccine mandates. Your people are being destroyed because abortion is literally birth control. Murder is birth control. Your sons and daughters don't know which one they are. Because society has told them that what they see is not real. It's what you feel. What you feel is real. This is a whole religion today. That feelings are God. And before you get all like those terrible kids in school, most of us are driven by our feelings and our emotions. Well, I feel like I'm going to be angry today. Come here, spouse. Let me show you. Amen. We got kindergartners that are forced to watch porn. By law. If you don't know this is going on, God bless you. I, I, I could go on and on and on and on. And you know what the church is doing? I just can't believe they passed that law. It is so irritating to me. I can't believe. Just last night, we were palling with Brian and Jess. We love you guys. And I was on the way over. I might have been driving, reading an email. Just one time. that night on that road anyway the email was from uh, was a political email um, talking about the new maps in Illinois uh, and I feel like I shouldn't have got into the story so they just released the second version of the new congressional maps for Illinois because the first one was ruled to be unconstitutional so they move things like five feet, and they're like, there you go. <laughs> From unconstitutional to way to go. Because you moved two roads 1.5 miles, which is literally about what happened. So the... Let me do this fast. Uh, Illinois went from 18 congressional seats to 17 because we lost population. I wonder where they all went. Florida! A few to Texas. Those were the smart ones. So we went from 18 congressional seats down to 17 because of the jacked up government that we got that are literally running people out of the state as fast as the U-Hauls will carry them. And every 10 years, it's required by law for us to rebuild the congressional districts based upon the populations and the demographics. And so, right now, the maps, the second version of the maps that they've released to represent Illinois. That is 47% Republican, 48% Democrat, and a bunch of middle stuff. 
So to represent 17 seats, to represent 47 and 48. So you'd think, like 8 and 9? No, it's, it's 13 and 4. 13 Democrats, 4 Republicans. Now, I know, whatever, you, you're like thinking, I can't believe it. Okay, that's not the point. The point of the story isn't like, we've got terrible leadership. But we all know that. Duh. <laughs> you need me to tell you that. We've got to pray for you, like, create a ring. The, the point of what I'm saying is, is that the people that made the maps, and they're called gerrymandering, if you ever heard that term, that's what the term is, gerrymandering. It means just drawing a, they literally drew, I told Kay, I'm like, they have a congressional district that goes from downtown Chicago, Lake Street, that literally goes all the way down to the state line of Indiana just to swoop down, it's like 75 miles long, just to swoop down and pick up every Republican they can and yet still make it a Democrat district. If you looked at the map, you're like, what's that? Oh, well, that's the district. One district was Freeport that went down to Champaign, like literally down the road. Oh, of course, that makes sense. That's a congressional district. The statement from the leadership team when they releases the map we are so proud. We are so, uh, so grateful that we've had the opportunity to finally properly represent the demographics and the attitudes of the Illinoisans that we are, uh, that we've been called to. We're so, uh, we're so proud of the fact that we had perfectly represented Illinois in these new maps. And, and people read this, they're like, well, it must be good maps because they said that they were... Thirteen and four. We allow this. We allow this. You know what would happen if 48% of Illinois said, hey... It's wrong. Killing a baby is wrong. Showing porn to a kindergarten is wrong. It's actually so wrong, uh, most people don't know this, they actually have, teachers actually have to get qualified immunity so that they don't get arrested for child... They have to literally make teachers immune to the laws so that they can teach what they were legally required to teach. Makes total sense. Total sense. John the Baptist died because he 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Not, Not even as this kind of government. He died because he challenged the moral lifestyle of the legal leaders of the nation. Any way you slice this, this is going to come back to whether you are willing to do what John the Baptist did. According to Jesus, you're greater than him if you're in the kingdom. Now, I will submit this. A majority of Christians see the kingdom and don't actually go in. 
They see it. I know it's holy. I know it's righteous. I know it's just. I know it's, it's love. And I know it's grace. And I know it's courage. And it's boldness. I know it's all those things. I'm not really willing to do it. Because, you know, I've got my own thing going on. But I know it is that. And so I will submit to you, a lot of the body of Christ is not actually in the kingdom. They're looking at the kingdom. And Jesus talked about that in John chapter 3. You can look at it and not be in it. But if you're in it, you at least need to understand what John the Baptist did. Which was challenge the government. And then Jesus said this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. You know, the, the Jesus of the Bible that sits on a rock with a couple of kids on his lap, petting sheep, with blue eyes and blonde hair, and a big smile. That Jesus is the one that says, Hey, the kingdom of God suffers violence. Whoa, 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 don't talk like that. That's hate speech. They'll kick you off of Facebook. Like, can't talk about violence on Facebook. I know. That's why we have to be in this book. Jesus talked about violence. Where? Anybody? It was a, it was a pretty direct question. In the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines violence. The number two definition of violence is moral force. Most people don't actually allow their morality to create a force in them. Amen. You're, you're actually encouraged for it to not be like when I was in school, they said, you know, don't get married, just shack up. See if you want to get married. Don't do the moral thing. Moral thing's stupid. And I did. And shockingly, the world's version was stupid. I know. You guys are like, whoa, Pastor, you're awesome. Here's a verse that's probably nobody's favorite. It's actually one of my favorites. This is one of my life verses. I, I'm really careful about when I, when I do or don't tell people my life verses, because they think, oh, that's why. <laughs> Psalm 9710 uh, in the ESV is, oh, you who love the Lord. Anybody? Anybody love the Lord? Okay, haha, gotcha. Guess what? Hate evil. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> oh, no. You were like, no, I'm a lover, not a hater. According to this, it's both. If you love the Lord, you hate evil. Well, I mean, we're not supposed to hate anything, Pastor. I know. The Bible's wrong. I hate sickness and disease. I hate it. I'm... (laughs) Amen. Run out of time. Can't tell a lot of stories. I've done weird things because I hate sickness and disease. I've stopped my truck in the middle of the road before and got out and prayed for people because I just, I can't take it. Sickness and disease is like a manifestation of Satan. And so every chance I get to punch him square in the nose and bust that sucker, I hate tyrants. 
Oh, Jesus. I hate tyrants. Hate them. Now, I know I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, and i got to tell you, sometimes that balance is like hard to work. But when I see people doing tyrannical things, when I hear about leaders, legally or illegally elected, doing things to people, making them suffer because they made an edict, because they're a tyrant, it makes me want to drive and do stuff and things. I hate tyrants. I hate evil. Evil destroys people. Evil almost destroyed my life. Evil almost destroyed my marriage. It almost took my children away from me. It almost took my life away from me. Evil is my enemy. Evil's your enemy. It's God's enemy. It killed Jesus. You should hate it. It's killing your family. It's killing your it's trying to come after our church. It wanted to shut our doors. It wants the church out of the way. It wants to do terrible things to your kids in public. You should hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. This is the same verse, y'all. Hating evil, loving God is what preserves your life. It's actually a good balance. Do you know that Jesus hated evil? He, he hated it so much that he died to kill it. Hebrews chapter 1 says that, um, the, that God anointed him with the oil of joy above his fellows. Because he loved righteousness and hated evil. You, one of, some of the reasons that some of you aren't joyful is because you don't have that balance right. If you hate evil and love God and love righteousness in equal proportions and live your life seeking first the kingdom, joy is going to be a natural overflow in your life. Amen. Amen. You should hang out with our staff. i got to like tone them down. There's way too much shenanigans when we're trying to pray. They're always, la- they're always laughing and cutting up and having a good time. And I'm like, come on, we've got to be spiritual. Because <laughs> some people think like sucking lemons is spiritual. They would have struggled in Jesus' ministry. Jesus was happy. No, he was... No, he was happy. He was anointed with the oil of joy above his fellows. If you wanted to find Jesus in a crowd, find this joyous guy. The most joyous guy. Let's see, that 10,000 people, which one's Jesus? I need to be here. Man, that guy is really happy. That's him. The exact opposite of what the church says. If you're pious and you're squirmed up and spiritually constipated, that's the spiritual person. Uh, no, not really. The <laughs> Romans twelve nine. I gotta go fast. Romans twelve nine. Let love be without dissimulation. Most of you don't know what dissimulation is. Dissimulation is basically hypocrisy. You know how many people have love with hypocrisy? Well, I love this person. I love him so much, I'm not really going to tell him the truth. Oh. Really? Leviticus 19.17 says that if you actually loved your neighbor, you tell them the truth. But yet you're saying you love this person so much that you're not going to tell them the truth. Well, what if they get mad at me? 
I know. Because it's about you. Because you don't really care about them. You just care about you. Because you don't want nobody mad at you. You want everybody to like you. And to sing your name. God forbid you tell someone the truth because it would set them free. We need to move on. Run out of time. Let love be without dissimulation. Hypocrisy. A bore. There's another great English word. You know, it doesn't say hate. The, the translators of the King James Version of the Bible had to find a word to really properly tell you what was meant by that word in the Greek. It means to hate extremely. <laughs> Extreme hate. This is as crazy as talking about violence in the kingdom. To hate extremely or with contempt, to loathe, detest, or abominate. How do you like that? It's Webster's 1828. Abominate. Go look that one up. That'll get you flowing. Abhor, hate, abominate, detest, hate extremely that which is evil. When you hear what's happening in school and you just go, oh, jeez, that's just bad. When you hear, you know, forced masking of a child is, by definition, any definition you want is, by definition, child abuse. Child abuse. It's child abuse. I have 200, if you want them, I have 200 links to study scientific medical studies, peer-reviewed studies, proving forced masking of a child is child abuse. Physical abuse, medical abuse, emotional abuse, and it's also grooming them for future abuse. I have it right here. And if you hear that they say, well, we've got to force our, we got to, all the kids have to be masked to go to school. And you just say, oh, that's terrible. What's for supper? That doesn't, that doesn't make you like, how do I spiritually grab someone by the throat? Then you don't hate evil. And I'll say this, if you don't hate evil, to the degree that you hate evil, is to the degree that you love God. Okay, I'll move on, because nobody liked that. In the BSV it says, love must be sincere. Just so you know, the Bible is saying that to have sincere, non-hypocritical love is to despise evil. So if you do not hate, abhor evil, then your love is insincere. Amen. Woo! Favorite sermon ever. Gonna set. Ah, oh, stop it. Gonna set a new YouTube record with this. Courage. It kind of comes down to courage. You know how rare courage is today? 
It's just mind your own business, keep to yourself, don't say nothing, don't ruffle the feathers, don't just be in the crowd. Just be one of the lemmings. And when you get to the cliff, just like sneak away. You can let everybody else jump off, but don't jump off. Courage. Standing up. Fighting back. Doing the right thing. Standing in the face of evil. And saying, as for me and my house. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us into fire. If that's what you got to do, do it, bro. You can throw us into fire. But our God is well able... And he will protect us from your hand, O Nebuchadnezzar. I don't care that you are the most powerful, richest, one of the most influential people that have ever lived in humanity. I don't care. I'm telling you, I will do the right thing, no matter what you threaten me with. Matthew 11 in the TPT which is the passion for I tell you the truth. Throughout history, there has never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer. Yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom will become even greater than he. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. Bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Passion. Passion. You know, people love Romeo and Juliet because they had passionate love for one another. So passionate that they died. That is stupid, by the way. If that's your favorite story, you need a new book. <laughs> Dumb. Passion. When's the last time you know? Who do you know in your life that you would say, man, that guy's passionate? That gal, she's passionate. And then on top of it, passionate about the right stuff. Because almost every teenager is passionate about whoever loves them for that 24-hour period, because it changes every couple of days. I love you forever. You're my best friend forever. BFF. Till next week. I get a new one. All the people that giggled have done that. I'm just going to read these verses and then I'm done. I'm sorry that it was the first parts of this were unscripted. No, I'm not. It's fine. Revelation chapter 21. The first time, the first time that I seen this, I literally told God, like, um, I don't like that. And you know what he said? Well, I'll just change it for you. <laughs> Revelation 21. I'm just going to read these, and then I'm going to let you kind of chew on it. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, anybody know who's on the throne? No, not, no I know. Not Pritzker. <laughs> I know that you thought... I, I, No, you're coming to the altar for an altar call. After this, you're coming to the altar call. He, let's get pious. He that sat upon the throne, Jesus, said, Behold, I 
Who does it? Jesus. Jesus. Make all things new. If you're trying to new up your life, a lot of people are trying. You can shine that cat fecal matter all you want. It's just going to be shiny cat fecal matter. That was... Was that okay? Got a nod from my sister. And he said unto me, this is John, write, for these words are true and faithful. (laughs) Write this down. You know when Jesus shows up and he says, hey, write this down. And he said unto me, it's done. That's our message. He said some other stuff. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes. You know, to overcome, you got to come over some stuff. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. Well, what happens to the people that don't overcome? And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the number one character trait on the list of folks that go to hell is fearful. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what the most acceptable sin in Christianity is? Fear. Scared. I mean, I got to wear a mask because the virus might get me. Boo. I get. I'm entertaining somebody. If you think through the, the the things of your life, you realize how much of our lives are a derivative of fear. How much you pay money for insurance for fear. How many decisions you make? I mean, even when we see each other, hey, have a great day. Be careful. Oh, I know, because it's the world. Bubble wrap it, get your helmet on. Right? You know, when I was a kid, (laughs) we had more brain damage. I get that. But man, you were looking for stuff to jump. And you didn't even wear a shirt. Well, I didn't. We you didn't wear a shirt, let alone a helmet and bubble wrap. Some of these kids out there, oh dear Jesus. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to... You can read, you read the rest of this later. But we've embraced fear as if this is our best friend. We put fear in the car with us. We take him home with us. We sleep with him. We talk to him all day long. Fear is really one of the best friends of people. And they think that fear is going to keep them safe. Fear is trying to take you here to death. You know what keeps you safe? Courage. Boldness. Hating evil. Loving God. Standing up against tyrants. Standing up against things that are wrong. Going for righteousness. Doing the thing that's not the normal lemming thing. Going against the flow. Paddling upstream. Climbing to the top of the mountain no matter how hard it is. That's what keeps you safe. The safest place you'll ever be is in the center of God's will. Ever. 
And it's going to make you have to deal with fear, not embrace it. And that's the people that we're raising up. You're the 8% in Jesus' name. You're the 8%. And when you see things that are fearful, I want you to say, no! I will not fear. What was the word that Craig gave? I did all of this to get back to Craig's word. What did he say? What did he start with? Do not fear. What did he end with? Do not fear. Courage. Boldness. All right, rise up. I'm going to bless all the folks that are going to embrace courage and boldness. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.